Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Hi, and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. All of this week's notes and links can be found at ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 87. And you are going to want them because this week we get to hear from John Horn. And John is going to explain to us why you should stop using Facebook ads and start using Google advertising instead. I know, I know, a little bit contentious. So don't go anywhere. Hey there, are you a business owner? Here at Orion Digital, we know firsthand that running an e-commerce business can be really hard work. As the online space gets more competitive, it is becoming even more challenging to stay ahead of the curve. We totally get it. So we want to help you succeed by offering a wide range of services, from fulfillment, marketing, customer service, and even coaching and consulting, just so that you can do what matters most. Save yourself the time and the money and let us handle the day-to-day tasks. This way, you can run your business without having to worry about the boring stuff. So what do you say? Are we a good fit for each other? Come check us out at oriondigital.com and let us know what you think. Thanks for joining us on the e-commerce podcast. It's great that you're here. Now, whether you are just starting out or if like me, you've been around the world of e-commerce for a while, my goal with this show is simple and that's to help you grow your e-commerce and digital businesses. And to do that, every week I get to talk to amazing people from the world of e-commerce and ask them all kinds of questions about what they know and how it's gonna help us develop online. I try and have the conversation you would have if you got to sit down with them for a cup of coffee. Yes, that's how we do it here at the e-commerce podcast. We dig into their story. We learn the principles that are going to help us start and adapt and grow online. Now, there were some big changes uh, this year. Uh, well, actually, last year, isn't it? Now, uh, Apple made some, it all blurs into one, doesn't it, at the time? Um, but Apple made some big changes. And there's been a lot of conversation, even on this podcast, about Facebook ads. You may have even heard that Facebook ads are dead. In fact, you may have heard this a million times before. But is it actually true? And are you better off to start using Google advertising. Well, this week's guest, John Horn, actually believes this to be true. So he joins me to talk about why Facebook ads are no longer worth your time and how Google advertising can actually help you make more money. And I love this, a slightly contentious title, a slightly polarizing view, but an interesting topic nonetheless. John is in fact the CEO of Stub Group, a digital advertising agency and a premier Google Ads partner. For almost the last decade with Stub Group, he has been working with companies around the world managing marketing for them with a keen focus on pay-per-click advertising. What you are going to hear is basically how passionate John is about this topic of digital marketing. Uh, he loves to speak with folks like us, uh, with clients and with other businesses and helps, helps people navigate the world of digital marketing and make the landscape look a whole lot more 
calm and decent and profitable. Oh yes, he loves to geek out uh, over how to convert more leads, get more e-commerce sales and grow revenue. So it's gonna be a fascinating conversation. You're gonna love it. So without further ado, here's my interview with John Horn. Uh, John, thanks for being on the show. Great to have you. Uh, great to have you. Uh, you you start as again. Great to have you here. Uh, it's it's um, you're the first guest that I've spoken to because we record these um, interviews ahead of time from from the podcast, and so you're the first person uh, guest that I've spoken to interview wise in 2022. So uh, happy New Year! Happy New Year! I am honored, and I will uh, do my best to get the New Year off to a good start here. That's fantastic. Because if I look at the schedule, this episode is due to come out in several months' time. So people are just going to be like March, April, and they're going to listen to this episode. And go, what are they talking about? That's New awesome. Year. Uh, just to let you know, we are slightly ahead of schedule here, which is great. So um, <laughs> it's great that you're with us. John, whereabouts in the world are you dialing in from? I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, where it is currently um, not your typical sunny weather. It is cold. And so if I shiver a little bit here, it's because I have Texas blood in me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm just not buying this whole thing. It's cold in Texas. Uh, I just, I just don't think it is uh, compared to what we're going through here in the UK. Um, as you can see, I've got my very thick hoodie on um, uh, today, uh, which is fur lined. Um, Ooh, that looks. So yeah, I'm I'm super warm yes. right now. Uh, I was down. We've we've literally just uh, the last few weeks we've moved our warehouse over the Christmas break. So I was down there this morning. Hence the reason I'm dressed like an Eskimo. I'm just not. <laughs> So I am quite warm now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, John, we are talking about Google AdWords. That's your um, area of expertise. How did you How did you start? How did you get into Google Ads? Yeah, I really got into Google um, close to a decade ago at this point. Um, the, my company, Stub Group, company at which I work, we have been really focused on pay-per-click channels for a long time, Google being definitely one of the biggest of those. And you know, back in the day, this is before Google Shopping was anywhere close to what it is now. This is when mostly it was text ads and you know, display or marketing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Just got into it, realized, hey, in the marketing space, there's already a massive market here of businesses who need to use Google to reach customers because Google obviously is where customers are searching for products and solutions. And so we saw this market need where businesses were getting into it, but they're just were more businesses getting into the market than there were experts who knew how to help them steward their ad spend effectively. So yeah. really, we just got into it, learned from trial and error, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, which is still how you learn it today, because it's constantly a changing environment. And there's always a new feature to figure out, a new policy to comply with, a new strategy to try. So, yeah. yeah. How do you um, how do you deal with that? You know, Google changing the policies and everything all the time. It, it seems, you know, you almost every week something is different something has changed so do you find it hard to keep up with with what's going on i wouldn't say hard because that's obviously our job what we're getting paid for so we spend a lot of time in in monitoring those things in monitoring both you know communication with our teams at google where they can say hey here's something coming up prepare for it sometimes we'll even have access to betas so these may be features that we've been able to test out even before they've been released publicly to everyone. And then of course, monitoring the community as well. There's a, a very active paid search community where people are saying, hey, do you see this? Do you see that? And you can ask questions, answer questions, and just you know, keep on top of where the industry is going. Mm -hmm. well, well, so if I'm starting out, I'm doing Google AdWords myself, You know, I've got my little warm and where would I go um, to sort of keep abreast with some of these things that are changing on Google AdWords? Well, where would be a good place to look at? 
I would say one of the best resources is going to be searchengineland.com. They do a fantastic job of just bringing together and collating information from across the web that pertain mm -hmm. to search engines and both the PPC and the SEO side of things. So that's a really, it's a good go-to resource. Um, Google, of course, they have their own blog where they'll announce big changes that they're releasing. So that's something you want to monitor. Um, and then there's on Twitter, for example, there's a PPC chat is a great place for kind of experts to hang out mm -hmm. and, uh, and learn about what's going on or, or say, Hey, have you seen this terrible thing? What's going on? Or, Hey, this thing's working fantastic for me. Yeah. Help please. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So, uh, we'll put a link to those in the show notes. Thanks for that. Cause I'm always curious, you know, where, where you get your information from, because, you know, it's, um, there are so many sources, isn't there, of, of, of information? What are some of the best places? So thank you for those tips. We will put those in. So can we start at the beginning? Um, because, you know, the beginning is always a good place to start, I think, with Google Ads. I don't want to make any assumptions because the proliferation of people now uh, running their e own e-commerce businesses, you know, starting out in e-commerce or um, wanting to do some kind of digital businesses is, yeah, I don't know if you've noticed this, I've certainly noticed a boom. Uh, since the pandemic, right? 100%. Yeah, good. As long as it's not just me, uh, right? Um, so let's not make any assumptions. Let's start right at the beginning. Um, just define quickly what a Google ad is and how that's different from maybe some of the other ads or how it's different, say, from just Google rankings or Google listings. Yeah, absolutely. And what a Google ad is, too, has changed a lot over the years because a lot of people still think of it as, oh, a text ad that shows up when I search for something on Google. And that is still certainly an aspect of Google ads. But Google owns so many properties. So you have Google Search, you have YouTube, mm -hmm. Google Display, uh, Google Shopping, etc. And when I think of Google's ad platform and offerings, it's looking at those different channels that Google offers and figuring out, okay, which of those are the best fit or which combination mm -hmm. of those are best fit for the advertiser. At the end of the day, it's, you know, an advertiser saying, okay, I want to reach people, either new people to potentially make them customers or existing customers, even of my own, I'm trying to cross sell or upsell or remarket to or whatever. And so Google has different resources that would fit those different use cases. Google search is still the best place, in my opinion, to get in front of people who are actively searching for a product or a service. Mm -hmm. They're typing into Google exactly what they're looking for. And you have that opportunity right when they're looking for it to say, Hey, here, here we are. Come, come get, come get it. Come buy the product. Come, come buy the service. And so, you know, when people think about Google ads, that's, that's the primary thing they think about is the text ad or the, mm -hmm. the shopping ad with a picture of a product and the price and the product name that would appear when someone searches on Google. And those differ from organic listings, from free listings, primarily in that uh, you pay for it. Obviously that's how Google mm -hmm. makes an incredible amount of money <laughs> as a company. Yeah. Um, and B, what you're typically paying for these days is also priority because those ads typically appear above the free organic listings on Google mm -hmm. search or even the Google shopping tab. And so advertisers really have first crack at getting traffic from people who are searching on Google and Google's done a very good job of keeping those advertisements relevant. So honestly, a lot mm -hmm. of people still, which amazes me, but a lot of people still don't even realize that they're clicking on ads. They're just going to Google mm -hmm. and, oh, hey, that's what I'm looking for and click through it. And Google's done a great job of keeping keeping those ads as well as the organic listings relevant to users. Yeah, no, they have. And um, so, I, I, you know, I think when you're on Google, you see that, you know, if you're clicking an ad because it's got the word ad, doesn't it, in a little, in a little right. bubble next to it. And um, and I'm always, in, I'm always intrigued 
uh, and maybe that's this is just me, right? But I'm always intrigued when I head to Google and I put something in Google, and it could be a whole bunch of search terms. I mean, it, it could be something like a specific product. It could be something like, you know, really weird, like how do I get better sleep at night? Do you know what I mean? It, and and somebody somewhere has figured out that actually, if you type that in, I want to be I want to be up on that 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 sort of search engine ranking. I, I want to be in that position. Sh should I say sorry? And they put that as, and the first question that goes through my head is, if I click this, how much are they paying for that <laughs> click, right? Yes. And, that, and that's partly because I have given Google way too much money over the years myself uh, in, in paid advertising, uh, hundreds of thousands of pounds, I've no doubt, um, which frankly, they didn't need, uh, but they, <laughs> they took it anyway. And I'm just, I'm curious, I'm just like, and I, I don't know if you do the same thing as me, but where, where you, you, you look on Google you see something, you see, okay, well, they're position number one in, in the ad, but they're position number two on the organic. I'm going to click the organic. I'll save you the $50 or whatever it is you're going to pay for me to click this and, um, and, and, and do that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's working in the industry is kind of, well, I don't know if broken is the right word, but definitely changed how I do my searching because, yeah, like you said, okay, I know, oh, if I click on this, it's going to cost somebody potentially a heck of a lot of money. Um, if I'm not planning to buy something, I typically mm -hmm. won't click on an ad <laughs> unless I'm maybe doing some competitive research or something, but it's like, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I see they're up there. Cool. So they're probably legit. They're investing some money. Let's go give them a free click on the organic and see where we're going. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Have you, have you ever done that? Th I mean, we're going to get into Google ads a little bit more. I'm just kind of curious now. These are questions <laughs> popping into my head. Um, have you ever done that thing where you've clicked both the paid link and the organic link to see where they both send you and you find that they're selling you the same product at different prices? Honestly, I've not seen the same price or the different prices. I, I'll definitely do that cross comparison to see kind of where they send me in the messaging. Um, mm. But I have not personally seen different pricing. There. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I have because obviously somebody somewhere has figured out that if they do a specific landing page for an ad with a specific offer, their conversion rate goes up, which they're you know they're paying for that traffic. Whereas the organic, they're kind of like, well, these guys are just coming anyway. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I, I find it fascinating. Um, how that works. Yeah, the logic totally, totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. How have you found, um, I mean, I, you know, we're talking about Google Ads, but obviously one of the key competitors for Google Ads for online is Facebook Ads. Um, at least it used to be. Um, and the whole landscape of Facebook Ads seems to have radically changed the last six months. How have you found um, the changes in Facebook? How have they affected Google Ads? How, how have they affected the performance there? I definitely see Google themselves really advancing the messaging of, hey, we still have a lot of, let's call it first party data of, hey, we can still reach people, we can still track and do a lot of things that Facebook is now finding much harder to do with, like you said, all the changes that have come, come about this last year. Um, I still see both platforms, they have very different places in a user's journey. So Google, mm -hmm. at least if we're talking just about Google search, um, Again, you're, you've got intent. You have people typing in, searching. We know exactly what they're searching for. And typically, they're, they're often further down the funnel of actually looking for something and being considering making a purchase. So it's awesome for people who um, you know, have something that someone's looking for right now that they can sell to them. Facebook and Instagram, that is where you can build that brand, build that awareness, build that um, interest in what you're selling. Like mm -hmm. I'll, I'll tell clients when they come to us and say, oh, should I spend money on Google or Facebook? It's, well one of the first things I'm going to look at is do people know to even search or look for what you're selling? If you're a new product, 
um, if you're, or even if you're not just a new product, but if you're new to the marketplace and you're trying to educate your audience that you do something mm. differently, maybe you've disrupted the industry, you do something differently than the current solutions that are out there. Well, you're going to be able to get that message across proactively to people and educate them through Facebook, through Instagram, through YouTube as well, or Google display. Mm -hmm. So Google has their solutions there as well. Um, but it's still, I always expect different results and usually have different goals from campaigns that I'd run on Google search or shopping versus a, a Facebook, Instagram type of play. Mm -hmm. Do you find that um, if you're going to spend, I don't know, for sake of argument, a hundred bucks on Facebook and a hundred bucks on Google, do they give you a similar return on that investment or is there quite a big difference? It's a good question. And it's, it's so hard to answer because there's so many variables that go into it. Um, typically I will, so I view Google as a lower funnel, higher conversion rate channel. So if we have people mm -hmm. who are searching for what the client sells, um, typically I'm going to start with Google and look to mm -hmm. maximum out the, the number of people searching for that, getting that traffic, optimizing the conversion rate, so forth and so on. And then once I've been able to do that and also even prove the model and see and do testing of, okay, what messaging is performing best? What are people actually searching for? What are the pain points that they're typing in? Then I'll typically expand to a Facebook, Instagram, and so forth to capture additional audience or to get people into my funnel. So, you know, Every, every business is going to be different. Some businesses, mm -hmm. Google, that 100 may be great on Google, terrible on Facebook. Some businesses, mm -hmm. vice versa. Yeah, I think the bottom line is test it, isn't it, and see what works for you. But 100%. I thought it was interesting there. You, you talked about pain points um, and what people are typing into Google. And so I'm just kind of thinking um, there's a really obvious thing um, with Google. In fact, this is uh, – we did this in – I'm going back to 2006, and this is in effect how we became quite, we grew quite quickly at this point in time, um, was using Google ads, right? And we we had specific products that we knew people were searching for. And so we did ads targeted on that exact product name. So if people typed in that product or even that brand, we wanted to be high. And this, bearing in mind, this is 15 years ago, John, and it was not like it is now. It was <laughs> no, very, <sorry>. very different. <laughs> Um, I was paying like one or two pounds, do you know what I mean, for yep. a conversion. It was definitely not uh, what it is now. And so we just basically rammed these ads for these specific products. So this is this is where somebody knows exactly what it is they're searching for, um, and they type in a brand product or name. So um, I've got in front of me, let me grab them real quick, um, this product here, right? These are the Omega-3 tablets that I take, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they're by a company called Vegetology. Full disclosure, I am uh, part of the Vegetology team. And this brand is called Opti3. So um, it's, I can go to Google and I can say, right, uh, show this ad if someone types in Opti3 because it's a brand name. And I mean, there, there aren't that many people thinking about that. But in terms of beyond that, these sort of pain points, what else should I think about besides just the brand name? Because I think if mm -hmm. if I do an ad which says when someone types in Omega-3 oil, that's going to be competitive and very expensive, right? So I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying that scares me, frankly. Um, so how else would you think about this for Google Ads? So I'd also think through what is it that differentiates the product from, from the market or the product or even the service that you provide. Um, so on the product level, some examples could be 
And we worked with a, a client who sold um, glutathione, glutathione. I always forget how you pronounce that. But they had a, they came out with a product that was um, it tasted good and it was mm-hmm. liquid, which differentiated them from a lot of the other providers in the marketplace where they were capsule based and often they had a bad taste. And mm-hmm. so in that kind of scenario, it's okay. Well, a pain point in the market could be people typing in, um, you know, is there liquid liquid glutathione? Um, is there glutathione that tastes good and that would be unique to their products if we go after those types of searches that are still mm-hmm. you know longer tail from just someone typing in glutathione and seeing every single provider out there mm-hmm. um but that are still you know definitely um higher in the funnel than someone typing their actual brand name so i'd say a you know thinking about what what, what differentiates um the product um and then b Another strategy, uh, kind of the com- competitor conquesting strategy, it can work well or can fail depending on how you approach it and kind of what market you're in. But if you have competitors that also have a lot of brand awareness and people are searching for them by name. And again, there's mm-hmm. something that differentiates your product. It's either it's cheaper or it's better or you know it tastes better, whatever. Mm-hmm. You can go after people who are searching for your competitors and then in your ad copy, you can highlight that pain point say, yeah. you know, tastes better, liquid, whatever. And so you're kind of building upon the traffic and awareness that your competitors have already created through their advertising. And then you're hitting people who are still probably low funnel because the fact they're looking for your competitor by name means they're probably ready or close to making a purchase decision. And then you can communicate your differentiator. So those, those are some ways. And then a you know, third way is with machine learning, especially with shopping campaigns, but also on the text ad side of things. Google is very cognizant that there is a ton of traffic out there that's kind of always new. There are different ways that people search for things. I forget the number. I want to say it's like 80% of search terms every day are, you know, terms that have not been seen before by Google, something crazy like that. Oh, wow. Um, that, wow. Number, that number might be a little bit high. I think that was a couple of years ago they came out with that. But uh, so don't quote me. But it, it's somewhere very, very high where mm. even if you do all the kind of keyword research in the world, you're not going to be able to predict and guess what all the new ways are that people are searching for. Yeah, yeah. And so by leveraging, um, you know, automated bidding within accounts and, um, broad match keywords where it makes sense. Um, a lot of caveats there, but where it makes sense as well as shopping campaigns, you can have Google kind of go out and test some of those different traffic sources, long tail keywords for you that you may not even think of to advertise your product. Mm-hmm. That's really intriguing. There's a lot of things, John, that you said there that I want to come back to, if that's okay. Yeah. I've written them all down, so <laughs> we'll just go through this. The first thing, um, you talked about your competitors. Now, this is where um, somebody goes in and types in your competitor's brand name um, or their product, and you pay to appear on that um, keyword. Uh, I remember quite early on uh, the competitors which I had in the industry where we were plowing an awful lot of money into Google AdWords. Uh, we all made a sort of gentleman's agreement not to do that to each other. Um, it was quite an interesting development uh, that we, we just called them and said, you don't do it to me, I won't do it to you. How does that work? And they were like, yeah, that's great. Um, so this advertising uh, on somebody else's um, name, I mean, ethics of that aside, I'm assuming actually that's possible to do, um, that actually – even, is that possible to do even if your competitor's brand is trademarked, for example? Yeah, it's very possible to do as long as you do it above board in the right way. So the way with Google, the way it works is you can target 
any any real keyword that you want to target. So for example, let's just pick a company, let's say Amazon. If you want to target people mm-hmm. searching for Amazon, you could target Amazon as a keyword. Now in mm-hmm. your ad copy, obviously you can't pretend to be Amazon and you can't mm-hmm. use Amazon's trademark in your ad copy if you're, if you're not um, authorized to do so by Amazon. But you can target those people who are searching for Amazon and then show your own ad. And so you'll see tons of, I'd say some of the most creative ads that I'll see online are in these kind of competitor conquesting campaigns mm-hmm. where you search for something and then you'll see an ad like, oh, we're better than them. And, and the ad won't say the name because you can't say the name, you know, in the ad copy, but the context of the page makes it clear or there's some clever way or, oh, hey, we're cheaper or, or you know, whatever the case may be. Oh, okay. That's quite a clever way of doing it, isn't it? I, I, so you can't, so if I was going to run ads, for example, when someone searched Amazon, I can't mention Amazon in either the title or the copy because it's a trademark name. Right. But I can put something like, you know, uh, we're better than them or maybe can you use a Z or I don't know this, I guess there's creative ways around it, isn't there? That that you can, that you can do that. But it intrigues me that you said that actually some of the most creative ads that you've seen are in this space, in the competitor space. So, you know, if I'm running an e-commerce business, one of the things that matters most to me, obviously is conversion. Um, Do you see conversion rates higher in that space or is it more brand awareness type uh, effects going on? I see a wide spectrum. It definitely has a lot to do with the type of business advertising and how they compare to those competitors. So if, you know, if, if you have higher prices and worse service or worse products or whatever than your competitor and you do a competitor conquesting campaign, it's probably not going to work well because people click through mm-hmm. and say, like, oh, why would I pay more for this? I'm just going to get back to what I'm searching for. But if you have something that's really, you know, is good and distinct and is actually a value add that maybe a competitor doesn't have, then I've seen those mm-hmm. campaigns be be very valuable and successful because they are getting you in front of people who are very low in the funnel. It's almost like, Mm. um, I mean, your own brand campaign uh, is always going to have the highest converting results because there's people searching for you by name, obviously, but competitor campaigns can be, can be kind of one step up from that because again, it's someone Mm. who's almost ready to make a decision. They're just looking for that, uh, that competitor. And if they see you as an option instead, then boom, go there. That's really interesting. And I suppose, if I flip it the other way around, if I'm the business and my competitors are advertising on my brand name, um, I don't. Is is there anything I can do about that other than be slightly annoyed? <laughs> yeah. Step one: be slightly annoyed. Step two: um, <laughs> and of course, this is something that also annoys advertisers often. But the best way you can you can mitigate that is by running your own branded campaigns to make sure that mm-hmm. you're showing up first and that you're taking away a lot of that real estate that your competitors mm-hmm. could take. Uh, the last thing that you want is someone searches you by name and the first three or four results are all your competitors. <laughs> you, you, mm-hmm. you don't want that. So running your own branding campaigns is one way to mitigate that. Um, making sure that you have your name trademarked so that if a competitor mm-hmm. does try to use your name in their ad copy, which I see that happen all the time, that you can um, you know fight that and tell Google, hey, this is trademarked, you know, get have have that competitor get that get that ad out of here we actually have a situation yeah. this week where one of our one of our clients said oh hey our competitor our direct competitor they're using our name in their ad copy and so we're helping them walk through that and make sure that ad gets taken down um so claiming trademark is is a good thing and then i mean outside of that of course it's just common sense of make your offer brand message as good as possible so that if someone does go yeah. to a competitor they still have a reason to come back to you yeah yeah I like that. I like that. And I, I was always intrigued. I, I remember a few years ago, 
whenever it was now, seven or eight years ago, where the, the Google guys came to us and they said, listen, you really should pay, do Google ads for your own brand name. I'm like, why would I want to do that? Uh, and I mean, it, it didn't make sense to me at the time, but as time has progressed, I now see the, the total benefit of doing that and just going, actually, if someone searched my brand name, I really should appear. Um, I feel like we're just getting into this. Don't go anywhere because we will be right back uh, in part two of my interview with John talking about Google ads. But for now, let's thank this week's show sponsors. Did you know that nutrition is one of the keys to maintaining the energy you need to drive your business forward? Vegetology creates incredible, unique supplements in an eco-friendly, ethical and sustainable way that feed your body with the precise nutrients it needs. We're not just making you healthier, we're helping to protect our planet too. Our products are vegan friendly and approved by the Vegan and Vegetarian Society. Plus, they're gluten-free so they fit perfectly into any lifestyle. They also contain no artificial colors or flavors, making them good for your taste buds too. You can feel good about your food choices with our healthy, natural supplements. We have something for everyone, whether you want to boost your immune system or just get more energy every day. And we're always working on new ingredients so that we can provide even better products in the future. So what are you waiting for? Get started now by heading over to vegetology.com. Hey there, are you a business owner? Here at Orion Digital, we know firsthand that running an e-commerce business can be really hard work. As the online space gets more competitive, it is becoming even more challenging to stay ahead of the curve. We totally get it. So we want to help you succeed by offering a wide range of services, from fulfillment, marketing, customer service, and even coaching and consulting, just so that you can do what matters most. Save yourself the time and the money and let us handle the day-to-day -day tasks. This way, you can run your business without having to worry about the boring stuff. So what do you say? Are we a good fit for each other? Come check us out at oriondigital.com and let us know what you think. We are back with John talking about all things Google ad. We talked before the ads about uh, how to do well on your competitors uh, side of things. Um, you also talked about this idea, John, um, of machine learning and how Google, you know, a lot of people are typing stuff into Google, which has never been seen before. And Google's trying to figure out what that means. And so you've got this sort of machine learning going on. That phrase either really excites you or it scares, you know, scares you silly, basically. And um, and I, I think there are these sort of these two camps, aren't there? So how does how did you know how Google does it and how we can take advantage of that machine learning? Excellent question. So, A, this is where Google is going and has gone. So if you mm. don't accept automation and the realities of automation, you're just going to be left behind in the dust because Google's not going to give you a choice. So one mm -hmm. thing that we are spending a lot of time on as an agency here at Stub Group and focusing on is, okay, how can we best understand the automation that Google brings to things and then leverage what Google can't bring with automation, mm -hmm. which is the creative strategy, the reporting of accurate data points to Google, the helping a client figure out how much to invest, where to invest, how to analyze data, et cetera, and marrying that with the automation. So there's a lot of automation products that Google has. Um, on the on the shopping side, uh, Google Shopping, so where you send a product feed to Google and you see those ads that, that come up with images and prices and whatnot, mm -hmm. that's already very automated with what Google calls smart shopping campaigns, where 
we already don't get to choose what keywords we show up for. Google chooses that based upon product titles, category descriptions, product descriptions, things like that. And that's already been the case for a long time. And so mm-hmm. um, we've seen a lot of good results from that, from smart shopping campaigns in particular, where Google, because they have so much data, such a range of data, they can identify patterns and make decisions that just aren't, aren't scalable, honestly, for humans to mm-hmm. do. There's no way that we could look through the number of signals going on and make a decision about every single auction with as much efficiency as Google brings. And that's really mm-hmm. that, that efficiency and, and dealing with all the different signals that go into every single auction is where Google brings an, a, an amazing amount of, of, of value and um, value add to the situation. Problem is that if you're feeding bad data to Google or you don't have the right strategy in place, that automation can just exponentially increase whatever bad is going on. So if you're wasting mm-hmm. money, you've got a bad strategy, well, Google can really waste a lot of money for you very quickly by, <laughs> by exponentially <laughs> using yeah, that yeah. learning. Um, and so that's where the, the human aspect, the creative, the marketing aspect comes in of mm-hmm. figuring out what's the right automation to use in this situation. Mm-hmm. Are we providing valid data points to Google as our conversion tracking correct? Are we reporting, you know, values to Google if we're an e-commerce website and then monitoring, seeing, oh, if Google goes off the rails, we need to stop that, you know, nip that in the bud, figure out what's going Mm -hmm. on, restart that learning process again and so forth. And really it's the same thing with, with Facebook and Instagram as well, where every, every major platform at this point is, is Mm -hmm. using a tremendous amount of automation and, and pushing in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. This whole machine learning thing's a big deal, isn't it? But I like what you said there in, in terms of would it, have I understood this right? What a, maybe a good strategy is to, is to run an ad that and find out what's working well there and understand it, get the strategy right. And, and then use that kind of concept and idea with the automation. That, that can work very well uh, if Google gives you the options. And again, they, mm-hmm. they push you towards um, sometimes you don't even have the option to test manually. It's okay, we're going to throw a bunch, of, a bunch of spaghetti at the wall, and then mm-hmm. Google's going to tell us what sticks. And that can work as well. As well. It, it also depends on how much, how much budget, honestly, you're working with. If, if you're a small mm-hmm. business and you have very limited budget and you really can't afford to give Google the leeway to really figure it out and figure out what's efficient, well, then you need to... To, to take that reality and maybe go for more manual campaigns and realize, mm. okay, I need to, I mean, do some more manual changes. If you have a bunch mm. of money, you can throw at it and it's worth, you know, investing that money for the system to learn over time and have more long-term efficiency and scale. Well, then that might be a different, a different approach to take. You say there are a bunch of, if you have a bunch of money to throw at it, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a bit long in the tooth when it comes to, I, I'm fully cognizant of how much Google shopping can uh, Google ads and Google shopping can cost, but I'm also fully cognizant that actually, if I've got my strategy, right, that that's in one sense, you don't mind paying Google a million bucks if they're bringing you 5 million in revenue, right? It's just, it, it's just a cost of sale. Um, if I'm just starting out though, right. If, if, if you were just, I don't know if you are, John, maybe I assume you're starting an e-commerce business today. Right? <laughs> yes. Um, and you're going to, and you're like, right, I'm going to start on Google ads. I guess, what sort of budget would you need to have in mind for this thing to make sense, for it to be actually worthwhile going down that road to get some usable data? First thing I'm going to look at is my price point and average order value. Because if I'm selling mm-hmm. a product for $2,000 versus I'm selling a product for $20, 
that's going to really impact the amount of data I need to collect. Mm -hmm. I'm selling a product for $2,000. I'm going to need a lot of, you know, a lot of clicks. It's going to take time for people to make a product decision. It's going to be a long sales cycle before I can even say, okay, yes, here's what our actual conversion rate is. So it might be, you know, several months down the line before I really start having a sense of how long it takes for people to buy, whether they're buying, what our conversion rate is, et cetera. If I'm selling more of an impulse buy product, you know, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, well, then I'm going to be able to collect data much more quickly because, Hey, if someone gets to the website and doesn't buy and leaves, and this is an impulse product, which I don't expect people to come back and purchase. Well, I mean, I know within a couple of days what my initial conversion rate is. And so I can very quickly iterate and, and test different approaches in the ad copy or landing page and so forth. Um, and then also, of course, the average cost per click that you pay, that's all determined by the auction. So every single time someone mm -hmm. searches for something, everybody competing for that search, you know, they throw their bid in there. And that's what that cost per click pays if someone clicks on your ad. Well, you're probably going to have higher cost per clicks if you have you know, higher price point uh, products. If I can sell a $2,000 or whatever, if I can sell a Peloton bike to you, for example, I can afford to pay a lot for people to click on, mm -hmm. on those ads if that's going to sell a bike. And so that's going to require a higher daily budget to get, you know, 100 clicks, for example, for Peloton bikes as it would to if I'm selling umbrellas and I want 100 clicks for that. So typically I, I look at it a little bit too from the, the perspective of how many clicks can I get at what cost per click, and that should uh, inform what daily budget I'm going to need to allocate for it to make sense. Ideally, I would say I'd like to get 100 clicks a day for whatever mm -hmm. I'm selling, whether it's you know a small item or, or a big item. Um, sometimes the budget just doesn't. There's just not enough money for that to happen out of the gate, and mm -hmm. so I'm not going to say I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't start with lower. I would uh, where it makes sense. But that kind of 100 clicks per day is an ideal benchmark that I try to shoot for as a minimum. Where, where did that number come from? Is that just trial and error or is a little bit of trial and error, a little bit of just gut <laughs> to be frank. Um, but it, it gives you, it gives you the ability to say, okay, well, whatever my conversion rate is, let's say we have a 3% conversion rate. I know I should expect at least three conversions a day. If I'm getting a hundred clicks mm -hmm. a day, it makes it kind of nice and, and round to some extent and gives you some yeah. data to work with for that analysis. Yeah. No, that's very good. That's fascinating. The, um, you talked about creative strategy. So if you're, um, if you're, you know, into e-commerce, what, what are some of the pitfalls that you have seen in creative? Cause I think it's very hard to tell people what to do sometimes. And I think sometimes it's easy to understand what not to do. So what are some of the pitfalls that you have seen uh, when it comes to strategy on AdWords? I would say one big pitfall is expecting ad spend to counterbalance just a poor product or poor experience. There's so many people who come to us with this, this website, it looks bad. It looks like it was from the nineties. It's hard to use. I'm like, yeah, just unlimited budget, spend as much. We're going to make a, we're going to make a million dollars. I say, well, yeah. no, you can spend a million dollars. Google's happy to take your money, but it's not going to work for you unless you put, you know, as much thought, energy, investment into the actual experience on the website side as you do yeah. into the ads and the ad spend. Uh, so I said, that's, you know, that's, that's a big pitfall. Um, I would say expectation setting is also something that we spend a lot of time working on when we start working with clients because it's, it's human. It's natural. You expect kind of the magic bullet. Okay. I'm going to start spending on money on Google. I expect to see my sales just soar day one. Mm -hmm. And the reality is going back to that data collection and testing side of things, as you know, it takes time to test and it mm -hmm. takes time to figure out, okay, this product's working well, this product's not working well. 
Maybe we need to adjust the price point, the messaging, whatever. Mm. And so you have to have enough patience as an e-commerce advertiser to go through that process, as well as the willingness to actually test things. Um, yeah. I think one thing with the kind of boom in the drop shipping world that I've seen, like you mentioned, since the pandemic started, is um, is a lot of people who are being sold. Oh, you don't have to spend much time at all on your business. You can, mm -hmm. you know, set up a few things, hire people to do all the work for you, and start making a ton of money. And that's just that's that's not how it's it works. Not true at all. <laughs> you have yeah. to, you know, find something that's that's a unique value add. Why should people purchase mm. from you, especially with Amazon out there? Why should they mm. trust you and buy from you when they could go to Amazon and probably purchase a similar product with all the credibility and safety that comes from Amazon? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, we're we're always looking for businesses, clients we can partner with who are also savvy about their businesses and looking at it for the long haul. And, and not mm. just seeing kind of the, the get rich quick e-commerce side of things that unfortunately mm. is, is very prevalent these days. Yeah. Yeah. Very prevalent and very wrong. <laughs> I think if you're listening and you've gone down that road, I would stop right now and just sort of rethink life a little bit because I've seen it go wrong. To, I've never seen, I, I say, I've never seen it gone right for every one person I've seen it work for. There is 10,000 people where it hasn't. Right. I mean, yeah. the odds are just stacked on the, um, so you, you've talked a lot about um, about differentiating, you know, and, uh, and understanding. So you, you can't sell using Google Ads a, a rubbish product. You can't make people buy on a rubbish website. It doesn't matter how much money you spend on it. So you talk about this differentiation thing that you're looking for um, and marketing on the differentiation side of things, which is a slightly more longer, what you call a longer tail keyword. Um, in fact, before we carry on, just explain what you mean by this phrase, long tail keyword, for those that might not know. Yeah, absolutely. So long tail is the kind of the description of how, how long a in actual words is a search term someone might type in as well as an intent. So for example, a long tail keyword might be yeah, buy a green umbrella near me long, mm -hmm. long term and very descriptive. Someone searching for umbrella would be short tail, much broader, mm -hmm. much less defined in the search intent. Yeah, no, that's great. So you, and so you talk about the differentiators to, to sort of use on these Google ads. Does that come from what I think is different about my product? Or is that something that's based on research? Is it something that's based on both? How do I how do I start to, I guess what I'm asking here, John, is how do I promote my differentiators in a way that works? Yes. I would say one great place to look and see how people think your product is different or how your product should be different is A, your own reviews and B, competitor mm -hmm. reviews. So if you're looking at your own reviews, see, okay, what are people saying about the product? Are a bunch of people saying it feels soft? Maybe you didn't even think about this, but you realize, oh, people care about this. All the products are hard in the marketplace. Let's really you know, emphasize this and focus on this. And the same thing, too, is if you're looking at your competitors' reviews, what are people consistently saying they don't like about the products mm -hmm. or the service or the company? And then how can you focus on that and communicate how your product solves that pain point? Like going mm -hmm. back to the Glutathione example, if you see a bunch of reviews for, for the products in the market saying, oh, this tastes terrible – then you can focus both in your product development as well as, you know, once you've developed it on, well, people, people care enough to leave a review saying it tastes terrible. That means a ton of people are thinking this. Let's proactively say as our core message, maybe this product tastes amazing. And, you know, 
see see what results that that brings. So mm-hmm. I think reviews are a really under undervalued source for information about your own products and what they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also looking at searches on Google. What are people searching for? I mean, some of the easiest things you can do is just start typing on Google things related to your brand or product. See what are some of the auto-suggested searches that come up. Those things come up. That means a bunch of people are searching for that. That gives you a sense of what's top of mind for people. You can also do things like uh, Google has their keyword planner, which is a free tool where you can look up and see lots of different ideas for search terms, volume of those search terms, etc. Um, and those are, I think, all great, great resources. And then also Google Trends is another free tool where you can mm-hmm. compare all kinds of different things and see um, kind of the, the comparative interest in phrases or searches or topics over time. And you might realize, oh, well, I'm, I'm investing all my time into this aspect of things, but like five people search for that a month versus, oh, we have mm-hmm. you know, 10,000 searches a month over here for this. Let me figure out how I can tap into that market and make my yeah, messaging yeah. consistent with that. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, you've kind of answered it a little bit. One of the questions in my head was going to be, if I wanted to get into this a little bit and stop messing around with, with Google, um, you talked about keyword planner, you talked about keyword trends, both of which are Google uh, pieces of software is the wrong phrase, but they're, they're, they're both available on Google and they're free. Um, is there any specific software that I should look at? Do I need to go and sort of all of a sudden buy hrefs subscriptions or what you know, do you know what I mean all those sort of companies out there right. where's a good place to start from a from a tools point of view yeah from a tools point of view um well a definitely you got to know what's going on on your own website so google analytics mm-hmm. is one of the best tools for that and it's also free common denominator google data equals free um <laughs> but uh that's a, a great place to see okay how are how are your existing customers finding you what are they doing on your website? Because that can also be a great tool to understand where you should double down with your time. If there's a particular mm-hmm. source where a lot of customers are coming from, well, maybe you should go invest into content or advertising or both on that source to really take advantage of that. So, so that's that's one thing. Um, keyword planner is definitely useful if you're trying to get a sense for what keywords should we target on Google, search volume, things like that. Um, if you're wanting to get a sense for what does a competitive landscape look like? Some great tools would be um, spyfu.com, which is spyfu.com, as well as semrush.com. Those are two of the leading kind of third-party tools that look at the search engines and are constantly saying, okay, who's showing up for, pay- for uh, searches? What searches are they showing up for? What's their ad copy? And if you have a couple competitors that you know these guys are very similar to me and these are the guys I'm going to be going after. You could even look at those particular competitors and those tools and get a sense for what keywords they may be targeting and try and take advantage of the testing they've already done, the money they've already mm-hmm. spent to figure out what works well and then invest your budget into those keywords that seem to be working well for them. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's really cool. We'll put a link to all of those in the show notes, of course. So where are where's some good places? If I want to... To maybe learn about some of the things that you've been saying more. Where where would I go to? Where are some of the good places to learn about about Google Ads? There are so many resources out there. Like you mentioned earlier, can be kind of overwhelming, and everybody has their own perspective, their own take and spiel on it. Um, I think that when it comes to collating a lot of the really good stuff out there, uh, SearchEngineLand.com that I mentioned earlier is a great mm-hmm. tool for that. Um, I'll put in a, a personal uh, pitch here, our own uh, website and blog, stubgroup.com. Uh, try to put interesting you know, case studies, things that we've seen work well, insights into what we're seeing in the marketplace on there. 
Um, but really, if you have you know one place to go, I'd say search engine lane is going to be the best collation. Fantastic. And again, we'll put a, a link to that. Um, John, I've got one final question, if I can. Yeah. Um, and you, you briefly touched on it. I mean, this whole episode, we've talked about um, using Google um, for with the premise of this is for an e-commerce business, right? I, I'm actually selling a product and this is what we're going to promote on the site or whatever. Would you use Google AdWords to promote content as a you know, so I'm an e-commerce business. I've got a blog post and I've written a blog post. Why Omega-3 is, you know, every man should take Omega-3 who's age 40 to 42 years old and lives here or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Right. You've written some kind of blog post which you can, which is content, which points to your product. Um, would you use Google ads to promote that content, which is historically what people have used Facebook ads for? Or would you just actually, no, just go, go straight and plug the, plug the product? I would say I would test it often, but test it cautiously. Uh, mm -hmm. In order for that type of approach to work, you're going to need usually very low cost per clicks. And so because Google Ads is so competitive, it can be hard to get low cost per clicks for, for some kind of content where you're saying, okay, I hope you know one person out of a thousand who shows up here actually purchases versus mm -hmm. you're going against your competitors who are spending a bunch of money with very optimized conversion pages and so forth. So one... Yeah, I'd say one one type of strategy on Google that can be good to test for that type of, of content marketing strategy is something called dynamic search ads, which is mm -hmm. it's almost like a marrying of SEO and PPC. You essentially give web pages to Google and say, hey, look at these web pages, identify what you think are relevant search terms to these web pages, and then dynamically show the right web pages to the right searches based upon you know, uh, machine learning again. And mm -hmm. if you set very low bids for that and test that out and monitor that traffic, that, that can work well. I've seen that work well for some, for some businesses and clients, and I've seen it just tank and we stopped doing it for other clients. So mm -hmm. I think testing, it's, it's worth testing, but it's definitely a, a hit, or, hit or miss. And I would say if yeah. you do take that approach, remarketing is, is crucial and having a really um, strategic remarketing plan of what do you do with that traffic once it gets to you? Because most people aren't mm -hmm. going to purchase from you initially, but you've identified people that are relevant to you and have are starting to have some brand awareness of you potentially. And so how are you going to remarket to those people via um, Google, via Facebook, YouTube, et cetera, to then turn that initial interest into dollars down the road? Mm. That's really, really good. Uh, top advice there. So no, it's um, it's one of those questions you get asked a lot, actually. Um, should I use Google to promote content? And um, and so I was really fascinated to hear your answer. So thank you for that. Um, anything else, John, that you feel like actually you're an e-commerce business? This is a must-know from a Google Ads point of view. I would say one last you know one last thing I threw out there is that Google has a lot of policies in the e-commerce space about what you have on your website, what you communicate to people on your website. Google's very invested into making sure that you're um, accurate and comprehensive in your policies on both your website as well as your Google Merchant Center, which is where shopping campaigns pull data from. And I see a lot of businesses um, not realizing that or just not correctly setting their website up in such a way as to, um, to keep Google appeased, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of um, suspensions that take place where Google says, you guys violated our policies and boom, your, your ad account or your Merchant Center account are both are suspended. And then once that happens, it can be a nightmare of trying to get back into Google's good graces. So mm -hmm. I would say just invest some time to read through Google's policies, make sure you've got everything you do on your website and your account, and mm -hmm. make sure that um, it's all you know, easy to understand, 
comprehensive. People know how to return products. People know how your shipping works. Um, mm. Common sense stuff that just is missing yeah, yeah. from a lot of sites. Yeah, that's top tip. Top tip. I found, um, and just again, speaking from experience here, we used to do our Google AdWords internally, uh, and, and we did those internally. And I'd always resisted using an agency until I guess about five or six years ago. Uh, and we had an agency here in the UK came on board um, and took over the AdWords. And the difference was chalk and cheese because they understood things like the policies, which we'd never thought about. We just kind of put these AdWords out there and left them because we were busy doing 25 other things. And uh, my experience with um, getting an agency involved, certainly if you're not starting out and you're, you're starting to get a little bit of success, was the money we paid the agency was was paid back literally within the first month, you know, in terms of their their ability to, to balance all the, you know, all the plates, uh, as it were, and, and, and make sure we we're in Google's good graces, make sure the ads were converting and the phraseology and the long, and all this sort of stuff. And so um, I think if you're listening out there and you're starting out, go ahead, have an experiment, look, learn, because I think it's good to get your head around it and to understand it um, and not just to outsource it without understanding it. Um, because even when you work with agency, I think you still need to understand that. Uh, but if you're like me or like I was, and it's kind of like, it's just one of those things that's on autopilot in the background might be worth talking to some expert because it is changing constantly so much. Uh, it's so very different, like say to when we started in 2006. Um, so uh, yeah, all that said, John, listen, thanks for being on the podcast. Been great chatting to you uh, and picking your brains. If people want to reach out to you, if people want to connect with you, want to know more about um, what you do, how do they do that? Yeah, best place for that is uh, through our website. So that's stubgroup.com. And you can see more information. You can check out our blog, like I mentioned there. And if, if you are interested in chatting about your unique business and seeing how we could potentially help or what our ideas might be for you, we've got a free evaluation. Just sign up for that through the website and uh, we'd love to chat. So that's stubgroup.com. We will, of course, link to that in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to go look at your website, read some of your articles, and that's what I'm going to do, uh, and, and find out a little bit more. Um, John, listen, really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be here. I learned a lot, uh, and I'm sure our listeners did too. So thanks so much. Thank you, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Well, a big thanks to my very special guest, John. Uh, appreciate you being with us, John. Uh, what did you think? Did it live up to the title as built? That is the question. Uh, and of course, you can go back over the notes, get the links, the transcript, everything from uh, the website ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 87. It is there for free. You can get access to all of that. Go over it. Have a think. Mull it over. Is it right for you? Is it going to work? Now, let me tell you, if that's not enough uh, good e-commerce stuff, then you'll be pleased to know that I have another fantastic guest next week who happens to be a very good friend of mine, Mr. Ian Finch, uh, who's actually going to explain to us why technology isn't the issue. Yes, technology is not your issue. Did you hear me right? According to Ian, the issue is you. I know. <laughs> All the contentious titles are coming up at the moment. They're fascinating and I love it. I love the conversation. So if it sounds interesting to you, make sure you subscribe to the show so you'll get a note uh, when uh, we're going to release this. And to whet your whistle, to whet your appetite, here's an excerpt from my interview with Ian. Our technology is so advanced and you can do so much. If you literally just switched it all on, I went, I want one of those, one of those, one of those, and I just want to read 
do my entire supply chain. I want to digitize my business um, uh, uh, and, and automate everything. You could, with the right people at the right time, do it. Um, but it would be so overwhelming to your organization that we almost have to meter and pace what we do. Yes, I am lurking forward to this conversation, let me tell you. Now, if you've enjoyed this week's podcast, then I would appreciate it if you could rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and even share it out so uh, we can connect with more folks from around the world. As I said at the start, all of the notes, links and transcript to today's show are online. You can get them for free. Uh, no email required, ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 87. And whilst you're there, if you want to, you can sign up to the newsletter uh, and we will email you and let you know when all the podcasts are coming out, who's coming up, what guests we have, all the notes. They just get emailed to you automatically. It's brilliant. So you might want to do that. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, like I say, make sure you subscribe. Come back next week uh, as I get to chat with Ian and come and enjoy that conversation. Uh, that's it from me. So bye for now. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, tips and tools for building your business online.